the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this Situation Report today. Glad to have you joining us. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stalnicker, and Chad Robichaud is here with us. He has not been uh, over the last several weeks. He has been, and he'll explain this today, uh, working with an organization called Save Our Allies that you are probably familiar with if you followed along during all of the things that were happening in Afghanistan but he has been there off and on over the last several weeks, and he's here to give us uh, really a report on what has happened on the ground. As you know, if you've been listening to this show, we've had some folks on to talk about uh, kind of the geopolitics, why this is happening, kind of a, a perspective on how it may end, how some of these things can come to a conclusion if they do. And a lot of it, we're just trying to figure out what all of the major players in the world are going to do. Uh, but there's a lot happening on the ground, a lot of things that are are taking place again if you're following along even if you're on social media you know there are organizations from across the country and around the world that have converged in this area to provide aid to provide help and so many other things a lot of good people doing a lot of good work and uh, chad has been there and uh, coordinating a lot of that so chad thank you for uh, taking some time from poland right now you're kind of in and out of uh, ukraine but based there in poland and uh, giving us a report uh, there's a lot that you can talk about. So I'll just hand it over to you and say, tell us what's going on. No. Uh, well, first it's, you know, it's great to be on the show. Cause uh, I've been away. So apologize to all the listeners, you know, Jeremy and I, uh, I, if you're new to the situation report and hadn't heard from me, I am actually the co-host, but I've been uh, <laughs> away in Ukraine and Poland. And so sorry for everyone for being away. Uh, this is uh, one of those things that's just so important. And I'm so thankful to be uh, able to be a part of it. Uh, you know, Save Our Allies was started by Mighty Oaks Foundation, which is the part of the, which is the organization Jeremy and I, uh, you and I serve together on. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we stood up for Afghanistan and, and we had a very successful effort there. We ended up rescuing 17,000 people. Um, and uh, with the team that we put together and uh, the organization we put together, we knew we had the ability to respond here in Ukraine. And, and, uh, and we have, and uh, I've been here in Poland going in and out of Ukraine, um, doing uh, both evacuations, uh, more precision evacuations, not the kind of broad scale evacuations like we did in, in Afghanistan, more precision evacuations of people that can't really self-evacuate uh, for different reasons, whether it be medical reasons or because of who they are, if they're a high priority person, would you be dangerous for them to move? Uh, all kinds of different reasons that people wouldn't be able to move themselves uh, so we do a more precision uh, evacuation operations. And then we're doing a lot of uh, uh, medical support, moving medical supplies forward in the critical areas that really war-torn areas that can't uh, get medical supplies or out of medical supplies. And, uh, and then we're also doing medical mobility. We're moving people either uh, across the border or from a dangerous place to a safer place uh, to hospitals and things like that. 
And then one of the last things we're doing is um, building communications infrastructure to make sure when uh, the power and cellular networks go down, people could still talk. That way people could get evacuated or uh, get support and supplies and be able to communicate. So those are some of the things that we're doing as Ever Allies. Uh, we got an absolutely amazing, amazing team. Some people from Mighty Oaks uh, that were involved in Mighty Oaks were here, but uh, I mean, the best guys from the special operations community, intelligence community, uh, from uh, government agencies who have uh, had really specific skill sets in uh, precision evacuation operations, and uh, which is you know one of the reasons that we're so successful in Afghanistan, and just uh, putting that to work right here in in uh, Poland on the Poland Ukraine border, and you know deep into Ukraine, and uh, I, I just got back, you know, uh, from operation uh, just just yesterday. I just got back, so yeah. um, and we have guys there across the border right now that we're you know outside of this room. We're monitoring them. We kind of flip flop, and when people are over, we're watching. We're monitoring in our operation center, and then when I'm over, people are doing the same for me. Yeah. In November of 2020, the Democrats were up to no good. They were planning to pull off the greatest scheme of election fraud never before seen. They didn't think we would catch them, but we did. Find out what they did and how they did it in the new documentary film called 2000 Mules, directed and narrated by renowned filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza and executive produced by Salem Media Group, with research from TrueTheVote.org. 2000 Mules tells the story of the ones who tried to hijack a presidential election, You'll see the actual video surveillance tapes. You'll see how we tracked their cell phones to box after box as they got paid to carry out this illegal scheme. Watch the movie and decide for yourself. Attend a limited release premiere of 2000 Mules on May 2nd or May 4th. Check your local listings and get your tickets today at 2000mules.com. That's the number 2000mules.com. One of the interesting things or different things, I think, than the Afghanistan effort is the number of uh, organizations that have actually gone to this region to help. And I, I mean, we talk about big ones like Samaritan's Purse and uh, so many other organizations. I, I have no idea how many non-governmental organizations there are there, but a lot of them. And it's a relatively small area, a relatively small country, and a lot's going on. Uh, what's it been like working with or around some of the other organizations that are there? Well, because of the nature of work that we're specifically doing, we hadn't, we're not working with a lot of other organizations. Uh, I am working with a lot of the, the uh, like local networks. So we're working with the, the underground church uh, movement. We say underground church. Everybody kind of knows that the church is the, the kind of community infrastructure in Ukraine and in Poland that, is vetted because of the nature of relationships over a long period of time. Uh, and they're uh, very loyal and committed to the Ukraine people. And, and so what, what we've seen with the, the church is, uh, is they have become the conduit between all those NGOs you're talking about in the Ukrainian military. So what you have here and you didn't have in Afghanistan, you're right. You had all these uh, non-government organizations come to Poland and other neighboring countries to help Ukraine and uh, but to help Ukraine, you really need to help the military. But there was no connectivity point between the churches become that. And so people are bringing in, you know, medical aid or food or clothes or or even in some cases, um, weapons and munitions and body armor. I'm not you know, saying who does, who's doing that. But uh, people are that that conduit between those non-government organizations, those people providing support in the Ukrainian military has been the church. Yeah. 
has been pretty, pretty amazing to watch how that comes together. Uh, one of the things that I thought was very interesting, this hit me, it's hit me several times. We'll go on to the border and, and on the border where the, the, the crossings are happening. Uh, if you go out to where people are crossing on foot or, or people are dropping people off on vehicles, the buses are dropping people off in vehicles. There's like all these Ukrainian people coming over, mostly women and children because anywhere, any male between 15 and 60 can't come across and so, you know, their husbands and fathers and right. brothers, they're, they're out fighting. And so these women and children are coming across in the thousands. And, uh, and as they come across the border, uh, they're greeted by so many people that have resources for them, clothes and food and a hot, you know, hot, a hot bowl of food or a hot cup of coffee, yeah. uh, jackets, like all this stuff, uh, medical aid, like me- medical aid stations that are set up. And, and uh, what, what is really neat to see is that it's, it's both sad and neat. One is there's no government reputa- representation at all. So no governments are there. Right. Uh, not the United States, no one. Um, but almost every nation is represented by yeah. people, uh, people that just showed up to help. There's like I, I've seen I've seen it several times uh, going down there. It's just like these Indian people that came from India and they have a little food truck they set up and they're serving hot cauliflower curry uh can you imagine like crossing and like yeah. your your mom with like three of your children you're going across and whatever you could carry and it's like 10 degrees outside you're freezing cold and you finally make a cross and you <laughs> i mean that that yeah. that hot yeah. bowl of food would be yeah. so good and, and then people bringing jackets and like i said a, a sim card i mean or charging your phone they have places to charge your phone and give you a sim card so now you have a phone because you're coming across and as you're making your, your journey you you lose uh your battery power goes out and you get across the border your sim card doesn't work anymore you don't all you can think about was getting to the border and now you're yeah. there and you don't know you don't know anyone you don't know where right. you're going you don't right. know the plan it's very scary for these for these women and these children and so just to be able to get a, a cell phone work again is huge and then uh and then there's people just driving there with empty cars just to be able to take them to a refugee center or uh or I, I, somebody, a lot of people watching has probably seen the video i put it a guy playing the piano some guy came from germany and drug up grand piano behind his car and he's been there like for like four weeks now and he just sits on the border in the cold and plays the piano except for a few hours he sleeps at night wow. yeah just sitting wow. out there in the cold playing his piano he's playing uh i think he's playing uh imagine like imagine all the people and he's he's playing it night and i would ask i went interviewed him and asked him you know what are you doing here and he's like i just felt compelled to come here and play like yeah. Uh, these people were hearing bombs and bullets and I wanted them to cross the border here, something, something good. Yeah. And uh, so it's just that, that part of it has been amazing. Like yeah. I said, it's, it's very tragic to see no governments helping. Uh, you know, obviously we know that the United States and NATO has chose not to go into Ukraine right now, but the fact that they're not on the border helping, uh, you know, is unacceptable sure. to me. It's just completely unacceptable. And, uh, and, uh, and, and when I first would have come here, I would have said, you know, that's what should, should be where they are. They don't belong in Ukraine. We shouldn't, you know, as an American, I know you and I didn't agree on this. Is what you kind of said early on, America should be there. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think we should get involved in this fight. Uh, but seeing what I've seen here, you know, sometimes we change our position. I've changed my position. Um, you know, uh, seeing 
the real atrocities that are happening to right. women and children and, and civilians, neighborhoods like I, neighborhoods like I live in, and playgrounds like my kids went on, and schools yeah. like yeah. you know, we've got a world superpower shooting a, a rocket the size of a telephone pole right into a neighborhood. Right, that's not okay. Right. Like that, that's and and the world that should not be okay with any government in the world. The world should be able to stand up and say, "Hey, this is not okay. You cannot attack civilian populations." like that uh as a, as any nation but especially as a world superpower like russia is and uh and you know i think our government the united states government and nato should uh, should be at this at this point stepping in now and saying look no more you right. you're not you're not going to kill civilians like this anymore one of the other things though is you know as you mentioned governments are not involved but there are governments involved i mean poland romania some of these other countries that are receiving millions of refugees uh what what is or what has been their response i mean this is a major humanitarian issue we we talk here in the united states about our border and controlling our border and all these things that are happening and how do we process that um i mean these countries have no choice how are they dealing with that well i mean you have to it's immigration so they they get to the border and they, you know, they have to have a passport to come across and they get their passport checked and they get stamped in. And then, um, and then once they're stamped into Poland, then they are there. Once they get into Poland, uh, they're in because they're in the EU. So that once they're in Poland, they can, mm, if they have right. a stamp, they right. get stamped in in Poland, they go anywhere in the EU, right. Uh, right. Uh, the European Union for those that don't know what the EU is. And so, you know, that's the ticket. They just have to get stamped in, uh, you know, to do that, you know, Poland is, Poland is not turning people away right now. So if women and children make it to the border, uh, they're letting them come in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really good of Poland to do that. Uh, and, and they're coming. I mean, uh, some days it's different than others. It depends on the attacks. I mean, it's just this seven major checkpoints, uh, seven, seven major border crossings on the Poland Ukraine border. Uh, Medica is probably the main one. Medica has a, some days will have uh, fifteen thousand. I think is the lowest wow. since I've been here. But some days it'll have one hundred and fifty thousand uh, coming across. That's incredible. And these and uh, you'll be a line of cars like seven miles long, taking days, days, to, uh, and and people abandon their cars because they run out of fuel, and uh, and they'll, you'll freeze to death in the car. So people start walking. Uh, it's you know it, and uh, it's it, as this continues you're gonna have a major uh you know you could uh, uh it's not a, going to have you're already having a, a crisis of being able to handle all these refugees all the refugee centers uh and i don't know who's i don't know who's coordinating it uh but most of the refugee centers are or you can't stay there so you get to you get to maybe one in medica and you can stay there for two hours and then you have to get on a bus uh, so yeah, they have like a plan of like you have to you they have these places like a flag like Germany or or Sweden and then you go there and and you uh, say I have a contact there and then the bus will come yeah. in that way and so it's like very it's it's surprisingly very coordinated but then a lot of people don't know where they're going so they go in this big room that's all beds and they can stay there for like one day and then they go to another place they can stay for like two days and then they have another place they can stay for two weeks and they try to figure out a plan for them to get them moving forward. Wow. But, you know, that's continued to get overloaded. Yeah, it's absolutely and, incredible. And then you have a lot of people that want to go back. Uh, they come, they they get in this refugee in a situation, and you're like, no, I'd rather go back and endure uh, endure the, the war. Yeah. And uh, so, you, you know, as, as I cross, you know, just 
like I said, I just crossed uh, in the Ukraine a few days ago. And, and as I'm going in, I'm like in a line of cars going back in. Right. And, wow. uh, and, and uh, you know, a lot of them are just people going back in because they just, they'd rather be there. And, and yeah. I was driving across one time. You can't walk across the border. You can't walk into Ukraine. I was driving across one time and, and this lady's, it's in the middle of the night. We we're going any any kind of emergency situation that we have to go over an emergency situation. Those who have been in the military know this. Uh, emergencies don't happen at noon. They always <laughs> happen at like ten right. o'clock at night. Yeah, right. And uh, so you have to be up all night and drive through the night. So we're going in. It's like it's like eleven o'clock at night. We're crossing the border, and this lady flags us down. She's like probably in her thirties. She's a, a pretty lady, and she's like in a dress, like, and she's like, "Can I get a ride with you guys?" three just three of us three guys can want to jump in with us can i get a ride with you guys across the border so i can get to where i need to go and and uh, she just wanted to go through the border she had to be in a vehicle and right. we we're like well where are you where are you gonna go uh because we don't want to just drop you off on the other side like, yeah right she was going the opposite direction of us like if we cross the border she was going this way we were going this way and we're like well we can't take you where we're going she's like no i just want to go across i'm gonna walk and i mean we say walk like when you get across you're in a national forest mm. she's gonna walk uh, God knows how many hours, but she had already left her husband and she went and bring her kids to safety and she thought she was going back. Yeah, well, she wants to go back and be yeah. part of be part of the fight. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't want to do it, but she was going to do it anyway. So we right. drove her across and I gave her a little yogurt cup and she gave me a Kit Kat. <laughs> <laughs> and this lady got out and started walking in the darkness and, uh, you know, yeah. the courage of some of these people. A lot of people don't know, um, there's been over 250,000. Ukrainians that were living in places like America or, or Europe that have came back to right, fight. Right. And uh, I mean, when you, when you're driving through there, uh, I think to me, like I'm not too worried about getting, I hadn't been too worried about getting killed by like a Russian or something like that. But you see these like people protecting their homes with like shotguns <laughs> and like hunting right. rifles. And right. they're like, they're like serious. They're like yeah. stopping a car. What are we doing there? Like, and uh yeah i mean they're not trained but, uh, they probably did a you know fam fire with their weapon right they some fire with a weapon and they're like they're they're in charge now and they but these people were like serious about protecting their homeland and they're yeah. in their neighborhoods protecting their neighbor their neighborhood and uh you know i was in a safe house uh of this church network a couple of weeks ago it felt like kind of like 1930s 1939 mm -hmm. like yeah. World war ii and it's like dark and gloomy and you got the bomb sirens going off and uh and and while we're sitting there i'm, I'm sitting here talking to this pastor who's like just facilitating all these things for the military and and he's he's uh he's telling me like uh about you know what they're doing and i'm like what do you think what do, i'm like just asking his opinion what do you think is going to happen like uh, how do you think this is going to play out? And he's like, Russia's going to have to leave. And I'm like, well, what if they don't? And he's like, they have to leave. He's like, they can't win. Uh, we'll, we'll, every, every Ukrainian will die here fighting before they win. Yeah. We're not going to, we're not going to give up. We're not giving away one person or one piece of land. They're not giving up anything. And uh, this is a pastor. And he's, yeah. and he, and he's, by the way, he's telling me how they have coordinated with the military and orchestrated just slaying Russian soldiers. Uh, I mean, this, these people are willing to fight and they, yeah. they're, it's pretty inspiring. Yeah. Uh, and what's, what's sad behind that is, uh, and you know, it's hard for you to have sympathy for the Russians at this point, but what's sad is that a lot of the Russians uh, that are there are young kids that have no idea why they're there, they sure. know why they were there and they're kind of victims in this as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, Russia has a long history of of just pushing bodies into conflict uh, with, with zero regard for for their own soldiers. I, I think a lot of people initially thought this would be, you know, a week or two weeks. And so getting out of the country probably made sense. It's going to be a very short time. But now that it's, it's prolonged, they want to get back home. And that makes sense. Um, when they say, or when this pastor says, we won't give up anything, I, I get the sentiment of that. What's the reality of that, though? I mean, since 2014, they, they have, you know, been fighting over land that was ceded by Russia. Um, not people on the ground, I understand, wanting to protect your homes, wanting to protect your, your neighborhoods and your communities. Um, but when you're talking to people who are decision makers, what is their take on it? Is it different than that or is it that? This is the time we're driving them out. They're going all the way back. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the position of President Zelensky right now is uh, he's not going to give up anything. And, um, you know, should he or shouldn't he? I don't know. It's not my country and I'm not the president of, of right. Ukraine. But, uh, <laughs> right. but but from hearing him talk, he's he's like, we're not giving up anything at this point. And, and, and I mean, I really, I think he's been as I think even he's been inspired. Right. I mean, maybe in the beginning, he might have thought, OK, there's a line somewhere but right now. It, right. Even, even he's inspired. Yeah by his own people people yeah. his his people are inspired by him and, and and he i think he's inspired by the by the victory that they've had and um now you know they've taken some some major losses as well but sure. it's coming at a, it's coming at a steep price for russia yeah. uh now you know i can't i i mean we've been getting like as i've been involved in this to save our allies and even you know my through mighty oaks i've been getting a lot of uh heat People are like make really ridiculous comments on social media. Like, what are you there for? President Zelensky's corrupt. The Ukrainian government's corrupt. Uh, why are you helping because of that? I, I tell you personally, uh, my opinion is our government's corrupt. Right. Our, our, our politicians are <laughs> every, corrupt. Every government is corrupt. <laughs> every politician from the beginning yeah. time has been corrupt. I'm not going to not help. I'm not going to not come here and help people right. because their government's corrupt. Uh, it's in, in every other NGO in person volunteering here is, is just people helping other people. Right. And uh, so who cares if Zelensky's a corrupt politician or not? That's yeah. not, that's not why, I, why I'm here. Yeah. Um, I'm here to, here to help these people and, and, and do what we can, uh, particularly the people that can't defend themselves, the civilians that can't defend themselves or have no, who have no really, uh, care about the politics bond at all yeah uh, and so that's but you know personally I, I do think that uh at this point i think they're gonna dig their heels in it and and fight yeah mike lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives he created the giza dream bed sheets they look and feel great which means an even better night's sleep for you and me mike found the world's best cotton called giza Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. Sale of the year. That means it's not going to happen again. This is the sale of the year. What is it? For a limited time, you will receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will receive a set for as low as $39.99. For a limited time, with any purchase, you will receive Mike's soft cover book free when you use promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. 
Along with this offer, you will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. For those of you that would rather use the phone, and some of you are out there, you know who you are, call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or MyPillow.com, and use the promo code SITREP. It's, it's incredible. Um, you know, the history of Ukraine is is very complicated and it's very, very long. <laughs> um, and these folks have been fighting for generations. I mean, 1200 years. And it's interesting to see that that spirit continues to carry on. And this relationship with Russia has always been a very difficult one. Um, when Save Our Allies is doing the work that it's doing, we'll see uh, requests. And, and I think there was one today that was pushed out, a request for uh, bandages and a lot of other things. Um, when people are giving either financially to save our allies or they're donating things, can you talk about that process a little bit? It seems it seems like a, a difficult process from I'm sitting in my home in California to this stuff is getting to uh, to the people that need it in Ukraine. Yeah, no, I mean, um, it's actually a pretty simple process. I mean, we have we have tremendous uh, ability. We have a tremendous ability uh, through our networks and resources to get things where we need to go and get them there quickly. Uh, now I say things, things can mean a lot of different things. Uh, uh, we we're building a, a fleet of infrastructure from vehicles that from mobility to things like, uh, you know, med- medicine, not, not just medical supplies, but actual medicine uh, and medical su- and medical supplies. I mean, you think about medicine, it, we think we take for granted sometimes if you cut off, if you had immediately, cut off the, the supply of medicine right. to the United States, right. how life-threatening would that be? People with blood pressure medicine, people yeah. with diabetes that need insulin, all kind of things like that, that has been cut off. So the only people getting those medical supplies to these people in medicine and supplies are NGOs like, like Save Our Allies. And so we're, we're in, in deliberately uh, moving those supplies where they need to be. And we have, we have communication with the medical network in Ukraine into where they need to go. I mean, we, when we did the rescue of, of, of uh, Benjamin Hall, uh, the Fox News reporter, cause we did that, we did that rescue and got Benjamin Hall out. And, and uh, when we did, they didn't have any, they didn't have the medicine to give him to treat him for his pain. He would, they were giving well, him ibuprofen. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, in, in, in his injuries, and I don't, I don't yeah. want to repeat his injuries, but uh, because of, they, that's been deemed private, but it's very, very injured. Like, catastrophically injured and, right. and he's getting he's getting ibuprofen uh and that's the soldiers on the field the civilians yeah uh, we just we did we, we did a rescue of 47 disabled uh people and they came from a group of 150 that was in a shelter that was bombed uh, a marked shelter of disabled people that was bombed by the russians yeah and over 100 of them were killed we, we had out the other 47 they had no uh no medicine to treat those those people, no bandages, no band-aids, yeah. even. One of the things that like literally we're out of band-aids. Uh wow. no IV fluids. No, so um those resources are those donations, those things are just like literally a life-saving. Uh you know, food, water, everything you can imagine. Yeah. Uh so yeah, so donating to save our allies, we can uh uh gives us the ability to get those supplies in hand, the medical supplies, the vehicles all the stuff like that. And, and to be able to conduct our rescue operations when we, when we do a rescue operations, yeah. um, two ways you can, you can donate to Mighty Oaks foundation through our international fund, which goes to 
Save Our Allies efforts, or you can go directly to Save Our Allies and donate there too. You talked a little bit about the the churches in um, in Ukraine and how they're you know they're the conduit to all these other organizations and they're really running things there. Um, yeah. I've been to Ukraine a couple of times and Christians in Ukraine are just different because they take things much more seriously. They see the world differently than Western Christians uh, as a Christian being there. And this is, you know, we're recording over Easter weekend. Uh, this will come out probably a day or two after Easter. Um, give kind of your perspective on, on Christianity or Christians, I guess, that are dealing with this at this time in Ukraine. Well, I know, you know, you've been, <clears throat> You know, you, you've been to Ukraine before for Mighty Oaks and done uh, Christian ministry there for right. Mighty Oaks, part of right. our international efforts. And uh, for me, the only time, this is the first time I've been to Ukraine or Eastern Europe. I've been to Europe and Eastern Europe. Uh, and so it's my first time experiencing uh, the culture here and the Christian culture. And I'm doing so during wartime. So I couldn't speak to contrast of how it is normally, but I could tell you like, like the presence of God, like in this environment yeah. is, is really profound. And everyone is, uh, believes that the things that are being orchestrated, um, for the Ukraine to be sustaining this fight against the Russians and being in a position they are, they believe, they believe it's divine. Yeah. And, and it's almost impossible to yeah. be here and see it unfolding. And I believe it is, it is divine. One of the pastors, uh, who's leading this network, he had been here, he's been here for about uh, 11 years and he came from he's he's ukrainian born but he's living in the united states and came here to do missionary work and now he's uh leading all this network of pastors but over the last 11 years he's like i was always asking myself like how am i getting in these relationships how did i find myself in a dinner right with the prime minister right with the president with all right. these generals and making friends like like what am what uh, who am i like he's like who am i to be and then now he's like orchestrating this between the church in the military he has the relationships to do it yep. and he's like you know I, I didn't know it but god was orchestrating that the whole time uh and uh so and and you know you talk to you know from a scenario like that to just soldiers who are uh i had this report from this one soldier in the front line and he's like they were outnumbered by russians and the russians were firing at them and no one was getting hit not one person was getting injured and they were like just kicking the russians butts yeah. And they're like, there's no way they're basically it was thanking people the 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 guy was thanking people for their prayers because it's like wow. we're seeing the manifestation of prayers wow. uh happening uh come through miracles here in the battlefield. And so that's the sentiment of uh yeah. the Ukrainians, the Ukrainian military. It's very much like God is they they believe that God is uh divinely orchestrating the victory here to protect yeah. the people. And uh, you know, it, when I was driving through uh Krakow, Poland last night. And, uh, and I, I was like, Oh man, another protest. And you see the police mark block the streets off. And I'm like another protest. Cause there's, always, there's a lot of protests out here, especially about us embassy asking us to get involved. And, uh, and, and it wasn't a protest. It was just uh, hundreds of people, hundreds of people walking with can a candle. Vigil. Yeah. The vigil is that how you say it? Uh, yeah. Vigil. Yeah. Yeah. It, just for, for Easter. And yeah, you know, it was, it was really nice. And, down, you know downtown Krakow is like you know old and and brick streets and it's really pretty yeah. and cool and uh it, but people in Poland or are, are, you talk to people in Poland and they're like they're worried too uh, yes they know that I mean Krakow where I'm at is the first it'll be the first target right uh, 
you know, if they come, if, if they take Ukraine and move into Poland, they'll be the first target. And so the people here, they live a normal everyday life, but they're like, man, like this could be us next. Sure. And so they have a real sentiment and heart for the Ukrainian people because they like know they could be next. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they're like, you know, if, if, if uh, we, I've been asked because, you know, people are like, oh, you're American. If they, if the Russians come to Poland, are you guys going to help? Because uh, <laughs> they, because they don't know. Yeah. They're, they're, they're scared. The answer is no. So, yeah, there's definitely been a, a picture of the difference between a strong uh, American administration and a weak American administration, mm-hmm. even whether you agree with who's sitting in the Oval Office or not, just the presence of mind and the strength of will <laughs> to do something. And and we are kind of floundering. Um, yeah. And I think the rest of the world is very scared about that. And they, they should be, frankly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that's why we're probably why we're dealing with what we're dealing with now. Um, it's incredible uh, to see, though, you know, as you mentioned, Christians, I have uh, friends in eastern Ukraine, the city of Nikolaev, which is Mikolaev, which is right on the border. And there's a church there. And we've worked with that church. And the pastor and his wife and their family are all there. They could have left. Um, and they said, we're staying here. This is our home. These are our people. And so they've just started taking care of people and evacuating people. And uh, they turned their church into a hospital. They said, we have ser- service in the morning. And then we have first aid training in the afternoon. <laughs> and that's just the church. And in so many ways, you know, as a Christian, I think that's how the church is supposed to operate. That's how the church yeah. is supposed to function. That's what it's supposed to look like. And uh, they didn't miss a beat. They just kind of stayed in and kept doing it. Yeah, two of our teammates were in a uh, in Kiev, and they and you know we were we were there during like some of the most intense intense fighting, and uh, and they hunkered down for the night, and uh, and the place that our network put them was was in a church, and it's and uh, they were they were describing it's like they're in this church, uh, you know, we're just sleeping out of our backpacks, and. Uh, and there's bombs going off and, and bomb sirens and uh, people are in this church doing worship service. Yeah. <laughs> Night, yeah. Nighttime worship service. <laughs> yeah. Lights flickering. <laughs> yeah. How incredible. Um, yeah. I, th- I think tomorrow um, uh, Franklin Graham is actually doing a service from, I think Kiev he's in, he's going to be doing his Easter service in, in, uh, yeah. in Ukraine and broadcasting it around the world. And what a, what a wonderful picture of, you know, what this effort looks like. Um, well, you know, we'll strange is that, it's uh, it, it's it, it's actually just really like as you drive around, you, you can't help but it's not a laughable situation, but you know when you're seeing stuff like this, you almost just laugh like I can't believe this, like I can't believe I'm seeing this. You drive past one day and there's there's guys like literally dug in trenches that used to be a playground, there's sandbags and concrete bunkers, and and they're like in and they're looking out, you know, out of the top like through yeah. their rifles over their rifles, and you drive like another. 500 meters and some old ladies out walking her dog. Right. <laughs> and then you drive and you see tanks, tanks, and it's yeah. military again. And then, yeah. and then some little kids are playing, <laughs> playing, yeah. and then some guys fishing. And we saw this two, this couple just sitting at a lake, like they were like, like peacefully looking out over this lake. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. But, but you got people just like, yeah. they're like, yeah, we're just going to live our, we have to live our lives still. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we are so, you know, spoiled in the West. I'm thankful we are, by the way, but we're spoiled in the West. Ukraine has literally been dealing with this actively since 2014. Um, the Orange Revolution was in, I think, 2001. Their history with Russia goes back, you know, generations, but certainly to the mid-30s. 
this is it's a different mindset for sure. It's we're going to live every day and protect what we have, but we're going to keep moving forward. I was asking this one lady about this and she's like, she's like, Hey, look, we've had people in our family that this is the third time they've lost everything. Yeah. Like, wow. That they've lost everything and, re- and rebuilt and yeah. like, yeah, we'll do it again. <laughs> so. Yeah, man. It gives you a different perspective on what we have. Yeah. Um, you're, uh, you're coming home soon, but the effort will continue of course. And I, I'm sure you'll be back. Um, for those that are listening or watching, what would you like for them to do? Here are the big needs. This is what needs to happen. Um, this is what we'd ask of you. Yeah. You, uh, I mean, one, uh, uh, me, me and Jeremy both are people of faith. If you know anything about us and, uh, and I, I believe in the, I believe in the, the power of interceding in prayer, yeah. uh, be praying, uh, yeah. first of all, for the Ukrainian people, be praying for peace. Uh, the Russian people don't want this. Uh, 90, I'd say probably in the 90 percentile of the Russian people do not want this. Um, and so, you know, be praying that uh, the yeah. powers that be will have their, their hearts will yeah. be changed and that yeah. they will find peace. Uh, and, and until that happens, be praying for the Ukrainian people because what's happening there truly is terrible. The news is only covering a small fraction of what you're seeing. Uh, cities are being leveled. Neighborhoods just like you live in are being leveled. Uh, and children, women and children are being, you know, they're, they're, they're getting, they're the real victims in this. It, it's terrible. And so be praying and be praying for our team. Uh, you know, we, we have a, we have some incredible men and women that are part of our team, our, our uh, former special operations guys that are going out and going across the border. I mean, they're going out and when we are going out, it's going out there in the worst circumstances, the worst times to do the, the most difficult things. And uh, we got some incredibly brave people on our team that are doing some uh, incredible things for the sake of people they never met before and, uh, and probably never meet again. Just, mm-hmm. and so be praying for them and, uh, and their families that they're away from. And then, uh, and then we need support. I mean, this is these operations, just like in Afghanistan, they're very, very expensive uh, from, from the vehicles we buy to, uh, transporting things to, to purchasing supplies. It's all, it's all very expensive. So you could donate two ways. You'd go through, if, if you're a Mighty Oaks supporter, you could give through Mighty Oaks uh, in, in our international, just let us know, it goes to the international fund. Um, and then, uh, and then the second way is through Saber Allies. You go to saberallies.org and, uh, and, and donate there. Yeah. Very good. Um, man, so many other things we could talk about. I'm sure we'll continue to stay updated. I think for those that are listening, um, one of the best ways to stay in touch with what you're doing with what Save Our Allies is doing is through social media. So if you're not following Save Our Allies on social media, find them definitely on Instagram. Um, That's where I follow. I'm sure they're on Facebook as well. But uh, updates there, like I said, this morning, a request was put out. These are the, the supplies that we need. So that's how you can stay in touch there. Follow Chad. Uh, on social media as well. And uh, you'll see what's going on there. So yeah, I keep, uh, I keep everything pretty active on my, on my Instagram. Yeah. And I think we did put a post out today of like, not even dollar, like, not even just financial support, but like some, some tangible medical actual supplies. materials. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Materials. Cause we're, we have a, I can't say the partner organization, but we have a partner organization that runs a flight out uh, yeah. regularly. And we, we have some uh, cargo space on that plane. So we're able to ship stuff. Yeah. People are always well. asking, what can I do? Or I wish there was something I can do. There is something you can do. <laughs> it's really easy. Yeah. Um, so uh, make sure you continue to support. That'd be fantastic. Chad, thank you for, uh, thank you for the time. I know, uh, I don't know what time it is. We talked about this earlier. It's very confusing, <laughs> yeah. but it's later there than it is here. So uh, thanks for making it work. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Look forward to seeing you.
yeah, we'll get back on again soon. Again, for those of you that are watching and or listening, thank you for doing that. Uh, I'll remind you, as I do every episode three times a week, make sure you are subscribed. If you are not yet subscribed, su subscribe right now to the podcast platform that you prefer to listen from. That lets you know when all of the content comes out. We want to make sure you get it right away. If you'd like to watch the video of this, we do a video and uh, then push it out as audio. You can watch the video. Go to SalemNow.com, SalemNow.com. You can watch that there. Of course, you can follow us on our individual socials. You can follow the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation. And as we mentioned, save our allies through social media as well. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD, you know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed uh, social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went. And I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.